Relationship 911. Three psychological experts. Dr. Ani, no one person is going to be your everything. Dr. Ken, if that's something you want to pursue, you end things over here with this person before it gets to that level. Future Dr. Adam, FDA. You can sleep with somebody for a year and still never be in a relationship. One radio producer, producer Danny. Danny Lemos is out there and he's he's dropping (laughs) on people. And your relationship issues. He's doing a great job at keeping you around. See? I love him. To say these dates have been really great. I'm not in a place where I really want to be monogamous. I'm seeing other people. That being said. There. Relationship 911. The following program contains advice and statements that are the opinion of the hosts and the hosts alone. It is important to remember that advice given on the show does not constitute therapy and cannot replace the fully contextualized one-on-one therapy experience. Relationship 911. Are you ready? In our last segment, we were talking about actually a lot of things, one of which was polyamory. And uh, Sierra called in. I loved when I talked to you briefly on the phone, Sierra. You said that you were outraged by our last segment. And she's on with us now. What outraged you about our last segment on polyamory? So I think for me, the starting point is that there was a lot of discussion happening that was confusing different configurations of polyamorous dynamics um, with open dynamics, with swinger situations, just kind of like a demonstration of kind of a lack of understanding of how these different relationship models function and work for people. Um, and so in terms of outrage, it's not necessarily what in particular was said. It's more of a reflection of like a lack of understanding of the kind of basic foundation to even start the discussion about the complexities of this relationship complex uh, dynamic that was happening. And I think that's why we're so grateful that you called in because I think all three of us would give a hearty like hell yes to we are ignorant about the polyamorous culture and it it does I think the word polyamory triggers a lot of assumptions about amorality or um, just like uh, promiscuity and so that's one of the reasons we wanted to have you on the segment you know give us your perspective help us set the record straight yeah absolutely uh, so where do we start in this discussion I suppose well, what do you think are some of the misconceptions about polyamory and what are some of the judgments that people encounter that are polyamorous so let's start with the first. Um, I would say that in terms of, of one of the the things that I found immediately clear was a, a misrecognition of, um, for instance, a don't ask, don't tell situation, which is a, a relationship configuration for open relationships. Um, people who are traditionally more monogamous thinking, um, who traditionally have one primary partner and they'll seek sexual relationships outside of that dynamic, but they tend to not be as romantically focused. Um, And so you guys were using configurations of, oh, do they know each other? In a polyamorous dynamic or a polyamorous relationship, 
that wouldn't even be a, a factor or a consideration. Of course, they would be aware of each other because traditionally don't ask, don't tell isn't something that would be incorporated into a polyamorous dynamic because it's kind of antithetical to that relationship model. Um, so what it really sounded like the guy was approaching from the standpoint was a kitchen table approach to polyamory. Wait, and which, that which guy? Means- I want to know which one to blame. Was it Dr. <laughs> Ken or was it FDA? Uh, no, I'd, I'd say that it, uh, in terms of I was more gesturing towards like a broader misrecognition of. Like, so they're both to blame. Of, OK, I'm got it. I'm not blaming Culture anyone. In no, that's that's just me. I'm just I'm just <laughs> stirring the pot here. Please continue. You're making a really great point. So um, in a kitchen table dynamic, which it sounds like that is your friend who is polyamorous, it sounds like that's the relationship model, at least that he approaches from, which is the idea that everyone should be able to kind of meet at the table, have a meal together, be able to interact with one another, because you're all essentially on the same team. You're all working towards the same goal of a life of happiness, of a life of love, um, you know, and you treat your... Uh, partners partners which the term in poly because we love our terminology is metamor um so metamor uh, learn something every day is 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 a terminology that you would use to describe someone that you don't have a romantic connection to but someone that you have a romantic connection to has another romantic connection to that person so and i would say even in the terminology of metamor it's trying to gesture towards the importance and significance of that relationship um if you think about the kinds of relationships that you would have with your best friend of your partner right that's an important relationship to foster just as it's an important relationship to foster the relationship with the in-laws right in the same way someone who is so foundational to someone's to your partner's life is also going to be someone that's important to you. And oftentimes you can work together towards, you know, life crises that are happening um, and, you know, hopefully work as a team, uh, as a, you know, solid unit, rather, regardless of whether you're romantically connected to that person or not. Are there other terms that we should know about before <laughs> yeah, we continue talking? The uh, I, I want to start with I that discussion. I love metamor because... You're right. People are connected without actually knowing they're connected. And that I think that's true of, of oh. just all, all relationships. Um, without the sexual yeah. no, Sorry not to cut you off. What was that? Go ahead. Oh, I said, I'm sorry, but without the sexual benefits, though. Oh, right. Exactly. Yeah. A metamor is referring to someone that ha- you have a connection to that's not sexual whatsoever. Um, now, can sexual components arise from a metamor dynamic? Sure, if someone, uh, traditionally people that are polyamorous also um, are bisexual, some are on the spectrum of, of gender fluidity. Um, so those kinds of dynamics can develop, but they're not very common because most of the time what you're finding outside of the core unit of your di- dynamic, or your, you recognize different components and things that you would want to foster, just as you would have different friends. And you wouldn't assume that putting everyone that you're friends with in the same circle means that they are going to automatically all be best friends with one another. However, you would want them to respect each other's relationships, their position in your life, 
um, and have some kind of camaraderie about like a shared life experience, essentially, which is what that is. Well, just like a good recipe or a good souffle, there's a lot of ingredients that can make a great one. But it sounds like there are also ingredients that can make it a lousy one or it can go flat. I mean, so where do the issues come up in this sort of if it's not going well, where does it usually show up when it doesn't? Is it between the two personalities or the metamor? Is there, in other words, I'm trying to figure out when it doesn't go right, where does it go wrong? Well, let's actually talk about the specific scenario. So one of my frustrations was that I didn't necessarily even have enough information going in Mm -hmm. to understand or be even able to start to dissect what's going wrong with the relationship. Because I was like, okay, it sounds like he wants kitchen table poly and it sounds like he had a very open honest conversation with the the two women in which he was like all right i would like for you guys to meet and it sounded from the limited information that was provided for the podcast that they were both amenable to that situation so um what for instance what i would like to know is were they people who purported themselves to be someone who was kitchen table poly, who were open to metamors, who were amicable to these scenarios, and then once confronted with it, then became uncomfortable, right? That completely changes that dynamic than say, if he wanted a kitchen table poly, went to one woman, she said that she wanted that, and the other woman said, oh, no, I'm actually really uncomfortable with that idea. I'm new to poly. You know, I um, still am feeling the situation out, so I probably need more time. And if you pushed for that, mm-hmm. then that would probably, that would be inappropriate, and that's putting undue, undue um Well, I know, I know him, and I know, I know that the, the guys don't really believe, they both described him, They their impression of him was that he was selfish. I d- in he a is, good way. He is not. Not in a bad way. FDA wants to wants him to mentor my, him. Uh, um, big thing that I definitely <laughs> want to clear up is this an issue of selfishness, right? Um, so let's pick that apart from the point of view of the other partner. If I was in the position of being the partner that saw him three days a week, and I had never met this other person that is such a huge component of his life. All that means in poly world is there's something wrong with our relationship. There's something something secretive that's happening behind my back that's going wrong. Uh, if I don't have access to that other person, there is some form of secrecy. There's something weirdness with her. Either she doesn't like me or he isn't being honest about something. It's actually a sign of like ill will if you are not actually having your partners meet one another because Mm. you end up building up this ridiculous image of your metamors in your head because who they are in in this picturesque view of how your partner discusses them is always going to be more grandiose and more exaggerated than who they are in reality. And so once you've gotten a chance to meet them and you can be on equal playing fields, then you can actually be friends. You can start to foster a connection and a relationship and, and, and have that grow and thrive. Um, but without that connection, without that meeting, then you're left to kind of spiral about who is this person that's so important in my partner's life that I don't even know. Wow. Okay, that's so so more selfish. What happened? That connection. She just sounds like the Polly Whisperer. I just want to right. say, there's so much we're learning from her today. Right. I'm I'm so grateful you're on the show. 
I will say that what happened was here was this man that had several polyamorous relationships. I don't think any of the partners had met each other. However, he met someone who became significant, so significant in his life that she moved in. And it kind of changed, it kind of upped the ante for him on his connectedness. He wasn't, we even talked about that. I said, I know that you were not looking for something that felt almost more monogamous. And he said, I was not. This surprised me. So, but as soon as that happened, within weeks, he did want his, the partner that moved in to meet this other partner that came every other day, which goes back to that kind of kitchen table poly that you were talking about. So I do think his heart was in the right place that he wanted there to be transparency. And I think at the time, this is where I wonder, and I haven't talked to the other two partners, the two women, but I think in order to please him and keep him happy, and it sounded like a good idea, they said, yeah, we're game to meet. But as soon as they met, I think one in particular was overwhelmed with a lot of competitiveness and felt threatened because he did have a different connection, a more substantive kind of like, I'm in love with this person connection to one partner over the other. And it created a toxic dynamic, particularly yeah. for the other person. I will so, say too, that so. I've talked to him since then and the partner that moved in with him, she has a very strained relationship with her ex and they brought him in to the equation oh. and they ended up the three of them having a very intimate time of healing together where my friend ended up kind of like hugging her ex it's a male like hugging him for a long time because he realized that he had lacked this like significant male connection in his life wow. and so um, uh, that's like a whole tangent, but that's kind of like just to explain that that's the level of transparency that I think he was going for. I think he really believes if you're transparent ab about your love and with the people that you love, that things can be worked out. Yes. So that gets into a few different terminologies that we can kind of unpack. Um, so one of them would be this dynamic of anchor partner versus primary partner. So, um, for a lot of polyamorous people, I'm one of them. I personally don't enjoy a hierarchical model of polyamory. That means one partner takes precedent over the other partners. Oh. So you have primaries and then you have secondaries. The other way of doing it is called a networked poly. So it's kind of a, a web, if you would imagine, as opposed to a triangle. Um, now, you might even in a networked poly situation have someone you live with. And the terminology that people use to, to kind of delineate that level of kind of interconnectedness in terms of life decision making and those kinds of things are anchor partners. And people use that terminology to describe someone that has now facilitated that position, but it's not as if no one can also be at that same level of commitment and interconnectedness, that no one, someone else can join that dynamic and interaction, um, and that that network can grow. Um, so what it sounds like to me is that the person who had the kind of 
huge reaction was she let her insecurities of potentially being seen as a secondary partner cloud her experiences and and maybe that's also due to the fact that it sounds like he's fairly new to having someone be an anchor partner and so if he's used to a very networked approach of poly and now has an anchor partner and doesn't necessarily have the kind of resources to understand um, the differences between primary and anchor and how that like changes dynamics and that it's okay to kind of get wrapped up in the feels but that doesn't necessarily mean that it changes or shifts your approach to poly and I think that is gestured towards in your kind of story this beautiful story of his connection with this ex it sounds like he still very much approaches this like networked approach to poly um it just sounds like she was not necessarily on board to step on that evolutionary process with him you know um and that happens all the time in polyland to answer your previous question about you know when do these situations go wrong it's oftentimes an issue of an incompatibility um or just communication communications unfortunately the foundation of all relationships and so poly people say all the time oh what makes good poly you know you got to talk Okay, uh, something just happened that I didn't think would ever happen, but Dr. Ken just nodded in agreement yeah. to something oh, you no. said. That was, the, that was the point I was trying to make last week, though, is that going into anything, if there's, if there's any sort of communication breakdown on the front end and then acting surprised on the back end when things, when things don't go perfectly, I mean, we're talking personalities. It's a relationship. And so this can always happen. Wow. Absolutely. Though I think... I think the onus was put on him as if it was his fault that he assumed. And I I would say it's more like, for instance, if she made it very clear that she was super comfortable and she was very open to doing kitchen table and all of that, and then it was, oh no, now I'm forced with this situation and I feel very uncomfortable. You know, then that's really the onus is on her. She didn't communicate and she didn't use her words, right? You know, to be able to express her concerns about that situation, which is why I just say we don't really know enough about that dynamic necessarily to make a judgment on like who was where, where the flaw in the communication cycle happened, um, which is the complex, you know, thing about polyamorous relationships is that um, as soon as a communication breakdown happens, it can crumble very quickly, um, very rapidly, um, which is another thing I would like to like piggyback on. Um, last time when you guys were doing your wrap-up discussions about you know how you felt about polyamory, it was uh, the more kind of neutral discussion was you know I knew this relationship that had thrived for a solid twenty years. It was beautiful and meaningful, and then it had was the nastiest breakup ever. So my feelings towards Polly are negative, and I would say you know it's one of those non-unique issues to poly because you could say the same thing about monogamy yeah absolutely disastrous ways and catastrophic horrific ways all the time you know people leave people for exes people cheat um all these dynamics happen and so when you ask questions about you know well what happens if someone falls more deeply for this person than the other person? And I would say it's a non-unique argument. Unless you're asking the same questions and interrogations about monogamy, then the kind of 
battling about the 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 complexities of poly are are non-unique i just i think it's one of those all of the problems and 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 benefits of monogamy are just increased exponentially with poly so you have more people which means you can have more support you can have more connections more liveliness in your dynamic and relationships, um, more ways of getting certain things fulfilled because it's a recognition that not one person can be everything to you and meet all of your needs. And that can be a huge relief to take off that burden from your you know, partners to say, you don't have to give me everything. You don't have to provide me everything. Um, and so that can be a huge relief as a partner. It can be a huge relief to, to gain that uh, forms of connections that you wouldn't have otherwise. But that also means that all of the negative underpinnings of monogamy that happen, you know, a breakdown of communication leading to, you know, the end of a relationship. Yes, there's multiple layers of that happening in monogamy as well. So. I made that statement. So I want to say I just wasn't clear that I feel that way about all love. Not just, <laughs> yes. not just pull out. But I'll tell you something. I just want to thank you because I'm learning so much today uh, yes, being here. Absolutely. Just looking up Anchor Partners, I found out there's Polyamory Weekly. There's a newsletter blog that goes out and it's explaining terms. And it says here, one of the things they're referring to is calling a secondary. Well, this person who wrote the blog says, I prefer existing or excuse me. I prefer entering an existing couple rather than being called secondary. Right. So I thought, I've entered an existing couple, but it's had a whole different meaning. <laughs> well, <laughs> well I can't remember night. who it was. I, I, I'll probably have to check this, but there have been some announcements on like uh, celebrity blogs and stuff about one person breaking up with a couple. Oh. You know, so somebody announces that like they've recently had a split with and it, they're splitting from a couple. Mm-hmm. And um, that's becoming more and more... Uh, you know, mainstream. Uh, yeah. So well, what's interesting about Polly is that one of the complexities, and I think one of the reason why there is so, so little information is because there is a myriad of different ways of what it looks like. While the most traditional model that is popularized in the media is very much a thruple or a triad, right. you know, where there are three uh, parts there are, I have been in I, a multitude of different polyamorous configurations in the last year, and every single polyamorous person I've been in a relationship configuration with has been in a different relationship configuration than me. So at one point, you know, I was in, I had an anchor partner. I had another primary relationship and then my anchor partner had another primary relationship and the four of us had a dynamic, you know, where we had what I would call a poly family, a poly family union, you know, we worked together, we oftentimes had meals together and those kinds of things, you know, um, but then you look at the configurations of, of what one of those, you know, people had, they also had a husband that was not necessarily integrated into that dynamic. And then that husband also had a different set of relationships and configurations that, you know, um, uh, fed off of those. So, you know, I think, you know, today's segment has pretty much just been psychoeducational, you know, helping us define some terms and uh, the kind of words and semantics associated with the culture. I definitely would love to invite you back because I, if you're willing, I'd love for you to share more of your story. I'm really intrigued by the complexity of the relationships and how you make that work. 
um, in day-to-day life? Like, how does this work if children are involved? How does a polyamorous relationship not become like a part-time or full-time job in terms of managing all the complexity? Um, Calendars. and how can lots, it be successful? But I, what I do love about polyamory is that, and it goes kind of back to what you were saying, it acknowledges, I think, some of the hidden desires and um, that people have, which are that outside, they desire things outside of their primary relationships. And a lot of times people are made to feel like if you desire something outside of your primary relationship, that means that there's something wrong with the relationship or there's something wrong with you. And that's really just, I think, a a human response. If you're going to spend decades of your life with someone, you or they are going to fall short at some point. And not being able to work that through on some level, whether you decide you're monogamous or polyamorous, I think is detrimental ultimately to the human's um, development and to the relationship, the quality of the relationship. So I am so grateful that you came on and joined us for a while and kind of shared uh, your experiences when we definitely want to have you back. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for your time. And we are going to be in touch. We look forward to having you back on the show. I love it. Sounds great. Thanks. Bye-bye. Wow, that was that was educational. Okay, I have so many thoughts. Oh my God, so many she's, thoughts. She's First of all, well articulated. She, she is super articulate. When we spoke on the phone, that was one of the first things I was just apparent to me. Uh, she's not this crazy wacky. Like, no, like no. again, the assumptions, the things that people project onto somebody in polyamory, and we and even we live in Long Beach, you know, where I think it's a pretty progressive town, but. You know, promiscuity, somebody that's like really hippy dippy or out there. Um, she's highly educated, very articulate. What were your thoughts, Dr. Ken? I think, and this might just be biased on my on my part, looking, Give it up. looking Give back it up. on my what I was saying last week. I think she kind of illustrated my point, though, in the sense that my... I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I do. I felt like last week... Uh, the kind of consensus of the room was that it, I didn't, I, I didn't, I didn't get it. it. It's, it's completely different, and I don't. I'm not saying, I'm not saying I, I have an understanding, and this, this definitely, definitely helped. My point last week was that if there's not communication on the front end about things, you can't expect things to go exactly what's in your mind, um, when something very emotionally charged is put together. Anytime a relationship is involved, it's emotionally charged. There's no way you can break those yeah. two things apart. It's it's human nature to have emotion whenever in a, re- a relationship is involved. And so if that communication isn't there in the front end, acting surprised on the back end when things don't go well. This is this is this has nothing to do with polyamory. This has everything to do with relationships, where um, even if they have let's let's use a, a, a heterosexual relationship just as an example. If you have a you're dating someone um, and uh, have never met um, an ex that they're still friends with, you're always going to be kind of kind of like thinking in the back end and they say, well, this is a really important uh, person in my life. And so you're like, OK, there's no guarantee you'll get along with that ex. There, it's it's emotionally charged in in some way. Could go great. It always could, and that's always the hope I think of the person that's the 
that's the the person with the two uh, people from different parts of their life coming together to make uh, to make one happy, you know, uh, three or four or group dynamic or whatever it might be. That's just not the reality of the way life works, that that works 100 percent of the time. I think it's messy either way. I think it's messy if yeah. you're monogamous. I think it's exactly. messy <laughs> if you're polyamorous. <laughs> exactly, no. But it's messy in different ways. You yeah. know, I uh-huh. know a bunch of people that are monogamous. They have shut down the secret desires of their heart right. in order to stay with that one person. And what do they end up becoming? Resentful. And who does it impact? Their children. And then people that are polyamorous, their lives are drama. And it's messy. And it's fluid. And... You know, I haven't really seen it work with people that have children. So that's my next question for Sierra is, you know, how does this work with families? Because the reality is just having a job and raising people with one person takes a lot of energy, let alone trying to do it with multiple partners. Well, and I think I think you already know the answer a little bit in the sense that any with any relationship you add in kids, it's harder. You know, right, there's right. Just, there's just more dynamics in play. Um, with, when she, when she says that. family, I think mom. Could you imagine telling your mom, "I want you to meet both my new dates"? Um, you know, there's that part of it too. In right? Words, how does the family? Per- it's not just that, unless of course they have no. Hey, mom, parents. I want you to meet my metamor. Here's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I told my mother I met a guy recently. She went, "You meet a lot of guys." I said, Way to go, mom! Way to go to support me. It's been ten years, but that's great. Moms know. You know, I don't know why we're all so afraid to tell our mom stuff because know. moms know they stuff know. about us before they we know. know it about ourselves. Everything. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Not everything. You're oh, right. she knows. I, I bet she does. <laughs> does not, there's no way. All right. Well, that wraps up another segment of Relationship Nine One One. Relationship Nine One One is produced by Danny Lemos Creative and the LA Radio Studio. Producer, Mike Stark. Executive producers, Anita Hamilton and Danny Lemos. Social media coordinator, Amanda Delatore. You know you can write to us at relationship 91 radio at gmail.com. On social media as Relationship 911 Radio. Coming up on Relationship 911. So, I'm sorry. Do you guys feel like, honestly, that this really works long term? This is a long term. Yeah. For real? That doesn't make sense. And, I, and that comes from a judgmental place, of course, because I haven't been in that. But it doesn't, I don't understand that works long term. And then you bring children in and all that stuff. Like, who's this person? And who's this person to me? And who's that? Like, it doesn't, it's kind of interesting. Like, you call them your aunt, this is your uncle, or this is like your other mom. Or this is your I mom. think we're the like, wrong people to ask. Enjoy your week and enjoy your relationships. <laughs>